One might say that to understand, to really understand my Dusty in Memphis, I had to consult both parties. As is abundantly clear to any record lover, certain albums come to be attached to distinct periods in one's life, inadvertently becoming emblems of happy, desperate, or even notably dull life phases, in this way assuming a sometimes surprising associational power. They can take us back to a time and give us a strong whiff of whatever was in the air. How often have we seen another person disappear into memory's deeper recesses when a particular long player comes on? That person has gone somewhere. If, as humans, we can access only a fraction of all that is stored in memory's vaults, sometimes a single song will give us quick access to those vaults, and in a manner that could only be described as uncanny. Some albums can't be listened to for just this reason. Others might recall a perfect day and be loved for just such an ability to transport us. For me, Richard Manuel's haunting In a Station owns one such day. But there is a class of recordings that belong to a still more elevated category. When, above, I refer to albums that return to the player even as the world around them changes, I am referring to just such a class. The relevance of these albums transcends the one-to-one -one correspondence whereby, for instance, the gun club's fire of love, through some curious shape-shifting capacity, comes to embody the spring of 1982, which, for me, it did. The recordings that go beyond that level of correspondence become emblems of more than just one passage in our lives. They become and I hate to make it all too lofty, but here it can't be helped. Emblems of us, artifacts of self-definition. Such special albums rattle our cages again and again, and sometimes we use them, with limited success, to rattle the cages of others. It's hard to say why, but that's what they do. Dusty in Memphis has done this to me. When I first bought Dusty in Memphis in 1985 at a Berkeley, California used record store that would be going out of business in five days' time, I didn't know what awaited me and didn't really care. I was distracted by the warm rush of greed and certainly preoccupied by the fact that among the many albums I'd found in the failing store's sale was a very clean copy of Sticky Fingers, the original zipper cover, for two dollars. My mother taught me to love a bargain. I mean, really love a bargain. And as I was still a teenager who thought the validation of my good and powerful mother was the grail after which I must quest, I did what I could in that regard. My pile of deals was a tribute to her omnipotence. For a few days after that, I bragged about that copy of Sticky Fingers with little regard for my audience. After returning home to my Boston apartment weeks later, however, and sorting through the detritus that had accumulated while on tour with my band, I put the album on, and it happened. I discovered that Dusty in Memphis, initially just another disc in the stack under my arm, was a portal that looked onto a mad and beautiful world. And in a short time, I caught myself at just what I describe above which is to say, wanting to stay in that world. There was something there for me. If few records do what I'm describing here, fewer still keep doing it. I've got mine, 
as I imagine you've got yours. But the record that does this is, in my mind, the one to write about. Before I heard Dusty in Memphis, let me admit this much, I had rather low expectations for that particular Atlantic album. When I was growing up, I was lucky enough to know something about the legendary Atlantic label because, first, my mother had Aretha Franklin's I Never Loved a Man, second, an uncle loaned us Otis Redding's Dock of the Bay and never got it back, and third, my brother had added Wilson Pickett's Wicked Pickett and the exciting Wilson Pickett to our burgeoning library. And, of course, more titles followed those first magical few. For how many hours, I don't know, but I had looked at these albums, or, as it should be said regarding the intense tactile experience of long players, looked into these albums a thousand times. I knew the songs. I knew the musicians. Names like Muscle Shoals and Memphis had a mystical ring.